Hello and welcome back for Traffic and Weather. Everything will probably be backed up in traffic because of the solar dances and system ballets. This is expected to continue until the standard New Year because of, well, your very Merry Christmas. So expect this to be going on for the next week. But sit back and watch the fireworks. Enjoy it while you can. This only happens once a year. Uh, besides that, in weather, there are still solar storms going on in the Crab Nebula, so please watch out if you live near there. And uh, it seems that there have been a couple of systems that might be moving out of place. Do not worry, the organizers of the solar ballets will be taking care of it. But now, on to the show. If, if there was a religious movement made around classical music, do you think it would be called botulism? Why? I want you to process that for <laughs> Why? And that's the open welcome to the show. <laughs> All right. It's probably the worst opening I've thought of in my life. Mm. Uh, it is the day after Christmas as of this posting because I forgot that technically last week's would have been a Christmas special. Ooh. So, uh,. You want you want to talk some some Christmas history? You want to talk some uh, some personal Christmas history, perhaps? Uh, well, you know, have you ever, do you know the story of the candy cane? The story of the candy cane, uh, like the fact that mythologically wise, it's supposed to be the canes for old elves. What? That's at least the that, yeah. That's at least the story that I was told. Is that the idea uh, of a candy cane? Is that it's uh, the reason it's so small is because it's for elves? No. Uh, oh, I I grew up on a different story. Um, are, you, are you speaking of something different? Please, uh, I, please do inform me. Um, so, uh, I'm, again, this is my disclaimer that I'm going to be putting into every single episode, Alex. Um, I am not a historian. I'm actually not even remotely intelligent. Um, I am a uh, computer that is run by a. I am a computer that is run by a small hamster on a wheel. The hamster's name is Jeff, um, and he's 72 years old, and he's looking forward to retiring soon. Um, he's looking forward to retiring also, and is dying. I mean, honestly. <laughs> Pretty much. And they are hamsters. Have you heard about have you heard about what hamsters do? They're like lemmings. They're suicidal. They they really are. They really are suicidal. They want to kill themselves. Um, Anyways, the story of the candy cane. So the story of the candy cane that I know, um, and I could be wrong, I often am, um, is that the candy cane is actually meant, meant to represent the uh, birth and the life of Christ. Um, oh, like a, like a shepherd's hook. Like a shepherd's hook as well. And this was a children's book that I read a children's story. So this might just be how I was raised. But what I always grew up knowing is that the candy cane represents Christ and the fact that it has the shape of a J, Jesus, funny. Um, it mm -hmm. represents the uh, connection of the lowest man to finding out about Christ, the shepherd's hook. Mm -hmm. It represents his sacrifice. Um, in the red, and it represents him cleaning our sins in the white. Hmm. Interesting. That is what I grew up believing. What do you know about these elves, Mr. Alex? Now, see, see, the thing is, is that, uh, Luke, I was, I was raised in a bit more, almost, almost fantastical, acknowledging the fact that, like, Santa and stuff wasn't, you know, accurate, but, uh... Still knowing like a bunch of these myths and ideas and stuff like that. Speaking yeah, of, of which, we should we should probably uh, get into the mythoses of Santa because those are those are deep. I'd love uh, to learn. I don't. I know very. I know very little. 
Yeah, but with the with the candy cane thing, it was it was just like an offhand thing I heard at church when I was very very young, and it's the idea that uh, the canes are for old retiree elves. And now I feel bad every time I eat a candy cane, <laughs> or at least I, I at least I did until I was like fifteen. And uh, oh, you and see, like, the, the elf. I, I'm stealing a candy cane from an elf. The elf and that retired is I, now like, dead and has donated the cane yeah. to you. <laughs> well, no, but like even after I turned eight and I acknowledged the fact that you know, like Santa Claus isn't real, and I, I fully came to terms with like, oh yeah, this this is completely a myth. Uh, eight or six or whenever you normally do it, I can't remember my age. Uh, I was still like, this is... I believed in Santa Claus up till I was 11. (laughs) I feel bad for you. (laughs) Oh, I don't. I had a great time. I was happy. I mean, yeah, that's fair enough. (laughs) I haven't been happy in years. I haven't been happy in years. Uh, But yeah, that, that was, that was my understanding of it. Uh, But according to, uh, to the internet... The uh, the story of the candy maker in India, in Indiana, who wanted to make a candy that would help us remember who Christmas is really about. So he made a Christmas candy cane. He incorporated several symbols of birth, ministry, and death of Jesus. So this is probably where you're getting your story from, oh. is, is this, this idea here. Uh, interestingly enough, that we eat these and celebrate these on Christmas instead of Easter, in my opinion... Because um, again, I I I personally believe that Easter should get more uh more rep. I mean, <clears throat> it is the you, day the Lord died for us. <laughs> all right, it took me it took, it took me less than three minutes to do this, so I should be proud, I suppose. But let me put on my tinfoil hat, and I think it's because, um, I I think it's because that. Christmas is an easily commercializable holiday because of how much it connects to a time of the year when people want to be closer together. It's winter. Um, naturally, in, yeah, yeah, in yeah. historical times, people would gather around hearths and they'd get closer together anyway. Um, it's something that's easily um, – the, the message is easily damaged because you can still keep the heart of it and keep you know people who want to celebrate the true message happy while also commercializing it heavily. Whereas Easter is something that they would, would not want to give actual attention to because, A, it's hard mm-hmm. to connect to the normal, to, to the uh, average American. Um, yeah, Easter it's hard is, to connect to anything besides Christianity. Exactly. Well, yes, you can have the yeah. Easter bunny. There's no like real mythos around it. The Easter bunny doesn't have the same following that Santa does, um, at least yeah, uh, and, monetarily. But also if you think about it uh, – Christmas or the the time around Christmas I should say used to be like Winterfest in a lot of places which is a very pagan religion mm, and right. which is a very a, a very pagan festival that's where you get a lot of the mythos of of the Santa Claus and stuff like that though his name changed to Santa Claus because it's based off of Nicholas Claus the saint mm, right. uh, but before that in a bunch of these places especially in these like Nordic places they had you know you'd fire up the hearth essentially and get around having strong drink and eating a lot of food and then enjoying the company of each other because it's too cold to go outside in that nine feet of snow. So, Speaking of strong drink, uh, why don't I thank our sponsor, Charlie Mops. We're not sponsored. By Charlie Mops, the uh, creator of the beautiful, wonderful, incredible item that I call anything that has hops in it. Um, thank you, Charlie Mops. Anything and thank you so much for helping so many, so many of us uh, get through the cold winter seasons. Real quick, speaking of hops, uh, I cannot stand IPAs. 
Why would you willingly drink an okay, okay, actually, to be a hundred percent fair, which I feel like is important, I'll admit I had an IPA introduced to me recently, mm. and it wasn't bad. Was it not bad or was it good? Um, it was almost good, actually. That's my point. Is that like if you want something with that flavor profile, just drink a Guinness. That's completely you know I mean? that's a completely different flavor profile. I would never. I'm actually a little enraged that you would compare Guinness to. I, I think I might have to kill you now. No, but I'm <laughs> saying like it, it's it's a full bodied it's a full bodied beer, but it has that kind of zesty note to it that like I I find is overwhelming in an IPA. You know what I mean? That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So if you want something that tastes far better <laughs> and happens to be a beer, then just canned, bottled. It, it, the only difference is if you get it on tap, then it's better. Like, actually, I recently found out that there is a specific kind of Guinness that you can get um, that tastes exactly like it does on tap. Oh, yeah. Is that the nitro stuff? Yep. My dad found it. Oh, my that goodness. The... That was crap. Oh. That, that, that's it's just it goes down. It's like it's like, it's like coffee. Well, it's yeah, incredible. Because part of the tap is like aerating it. Yep. So the nitro is just like a bunch of micro bubbles. So I you can know, definitely get behind having some of that. Still super strange to me. Here one second. I'm going to look up who started putting uh, nitro in drinks. That's a good question. So, uh. Sorry for the dead space, everyone. Uh, In this moment, um, I'd like to thank our secondary sponsor, a fantastic <laughs> man who has provided a product that sponsored. truly so many around the world are thankful for. I know I am. Um, this man is a true uh, – I mean, I mean, in some uh, pieces of fiction, he's known as a saint. And really, I'm, I'm not saying that that should happen in real life, but I will say that they may have had a step in the right direction there. Um, he's a truly clever and intelligent man, and he has provided a great deal of security and comfort to many around the world. I'd like to um, raise my glass to John Moses Browning uh, for a moment hey. and, and thank him for protecting the free world, both domestic and foreign. Thank you, John Moses Browning. And, uh, and may you rest in peace. Yeah, and before and after death. Uh, honestly. So what did you find? Uh, what did you find, Alex? So – Apparently, it was done by a British chemist who figured out the carbon dioxide bit, uh, and then someone else started doing uh, coffee nitro and cold brew uh, and uh, cold brew beer nitro, which was in Austin, Texas, of course, which is the only place that you can do any kind of innovation nowadays. Uh, and the idea of it is that it almost instantly chills the drink and aerates it like crazy. Because if you look at carbon dioxide, uh, I learned this from a YouTube video. If you look at carbon dioxide, the bubbles are actually quite large. Uh, and they don't necessarily move into the, the slurry or whatever you want to call it fast, the beverage fast. And then they can very quickly escape. Nitrous oxide, however, is very cold. Therefore, all of the stuff is very tightly packed. Because, of course, when things are colder, they condense. Uh and so, and, and again, I'm paraphrasing. I'm not. I'm not an expert on this either. But I am also paraphrasing what I remember. The idea is is that you just get so much more of the nitrous into a drink than you could ever get carbon dioxide, and it's not so abrasive because they're tiny, rather than being big bubbly soda chemicals. Uh, not soda chemicals, soda bubbles. And then that also, like lightning, cools the drink because it's nitrous. 
it has to be cold. Wow, that is, that is actually genuinely fascinating. Yeah, it's and then uh, the bubbling and foaming effect is the nitrous trying to escape. <laughs> and that's where you get your foamy head probably on a... Uh, on a mm. well-packed Guinness. That's another thing I love about Guinness. The the foamy head manages to taste just as good as the beer does, which is really impressive. Yeah. It's almost like uh, when you make a proper Irish coffee by putting like the Irish cream on top of the coffee, mm. and then you wind up with um, you wind up with like a, a nice entry point, and then the coffee bite. That's such a wonderful feeling. It's great. It's, it's like the, the beer itself is its own style of cocktail because it has a floater on it already. <laughs> you really can't beat it. I, I love how our Christmas podcast is going at the, at, the, at the moment. Oh, yeah. No, we're talking about booze. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, speaking of booze, mead. One moment. <laughs> oh, oh I, I, have, uh, I have not the experience of many others I, in mead, but I did try it recently and I very much liked it. I so very much want to taste this. I haven't been able to get my hands on it. Uh, literally, uh, let me let me search mead creation. Oh, it's old. It's old, I'm pretty sure. I know it's old. It's ancient. It's like uh, as old as wine. Yeah, but it's not from the area that you'd get wine because grapes do not grow that northern. So the idea of mead is that it was this very rich uh it also it also showed that you were very rich in like the Danish and Norwegian area and like Finland and Sweden of course uh all of these areas that are so far north that they can't really grow grapes uh well maybe not Sweden then but they can't really grow grapes and they're at like the wrong altitude for making wine and stuff like that and so they, it's literally just fermented honey and i have recently been making a lot of honey candy and honey is the best damn thing we ever had on this planet. Honey Goodness is God's gracious. gift. I mean, honestly. It's like if sugar were not bad for you. It really is. I mean, it doesn't go bad. <laughs> I mean, I guess yes, before someone comes back, yes, it technically can go bad. But, I mean, not it takes really. forever. No, because because even when it crystallizes like that and does all that stuff that like people are like, oh, it's bad honey. Put it in a pot, like a saucepan, like get your glass mason jar of honey like you always should have because, of course, you're getting your, your, your honey from either a store or like a local farmer's market. Because always go for a local farmer's market. Uh, because then they actually have like the good proper, like this is blueberry honey harvested from blueberry bushes. Remember, mm. folks, Tasty more than stuff. any civil uh, service can, get a community and you can protect yourself. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you get you get your good honey and then you, you put it in a pot. And inside that glass jar, you just raise it to like a low simmer, and then all of that crystallization just kind of melts. And then you have honey again. Ugh. And it's incredible. It does go bad. It really, it really is that does a go gift. bad about it is that when you make honey candies like I've been making, then uh, you wind up with the problem that if you keep them for too long in a partially warm area, they start turning back into honey. <laughs> This seems like a net positive. I see. I see no downside to this. Not really, because when you have it in a wrapper, it's like if a taffy were to melt. Oh no! <laughs> I, I'm beginning to see the issue. So, I, I should note: I make taffy-like honey candies. I don't make hard honey candies. I'm sure that if you were to add like that little tablespoon of sugar and make it into a hard candy, it wouldn't have this problem. But uh, mine do because it's just honey and it's delicious. Speaking of which, if you come over recently, uh, I will give you some. Well, Alex, I just might have to do that. Uh, I, I don't know if I have the yeah. money to make that trek across the Yukon, but you know what? I'll, <laughs> I'll see if I can do it this week. Ah, uh, sweet goodness. Uh, anyways, mead. Apparently, not really as used as we see it in video games. 
like in Skyrim, it makes sense because they have lower reasons for having so much mead. Uh, but for the most part, when it comes to actually living like the Viking style life, you'd probably find a lot more ales. I was about to say, much ale, like how, ale seems a lot easier yeah, to make. Much like how in England you'd see a lot more beer and lagers than you would see wine, I feel. Uh, you about to say something? Oh, no, no. I was just so uh, it's interesting. Um, mead is seen because of how video games treat it. Um, it's because it's how common it is. Um, but having drank it and looked into a little bit of its history, and you probably know more than I do, um, the way it's made is very similar to wine, um, and that mm-hmm. makes it surprisingly difficult to make. Um, yeah, well, because because rather than making it with crushed grapes, you're trying to make it with fermented uh, bee juice. Yeah, so mead was enjoyed <laughs> sparingly, which is very interesting. Yeah, and by the by the very rich or by the people who are at the end of like a, a long raid were like, all right, we need mead. Honestly. Which is is a very fun like way of thinking about it. Also another another great thing about mead in like Nordic culture or not not Nordic, uh Viking culture. The ever notice a drinking horn and the fact that it's incredibly difficult to like put on a table and have it just sit there? Yeah, I've noticed that. What was the plan around that? Uh a lot of people in like the drinking circles. This is not a historian thing. This is like a like a cocktail thing. Uh, they believe that the idea is, is that you're not supposed to put it down. Oh, it's one a symbol of power because they decorate their drinking horns. But two, you'd pass it around the bar. Interesting. You're not meant to put it down. You're meant to give it to somebody else, and then until the until the horn is emptied, and then you can put it down because then you're not going to spill anything. That is really interesting. I like that. Which makes for a great idea for like a like a story bit. You can have like a newcomer come and then he tries to put down the horn and someone looks at him all weird. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you what what are you doing? What are you doing? No, it's not gonna stand up. <laughs> Pass it to the next one. That that up, is up, interesting. Give. I've I've never thought of it like that. Yeah, it, and it like if you think about it for just a little bit of time, it makes a lot of sense. I'm sure that there were other reasons for it, like the fact that it's incredibly not terribly difficult to make because you just kill an animal and then take its horn and then find a way to hollow it out. Well, generally go. goat horns work the best for that. Um, because they just, hollow themselves, correct? Uh, yes, as well as the fact that yeah. you need a horn that you can clean the inside of. And so, it's not – they didn't really have a way to disinfect. But basically, they would treat it so that you wouldn't get bits of – well, getting bits of bone in your drink kind of ruins the taste. I see. Well, I was talking about the disinfecting. I don't oh think no, you're very you're very correct there. <laughs> the bits of bone in your drink, though, I, I'm sure that there's one guy who liked that. I'm sure that there, uh, there has to be. Yeah, he was the like, weird guy. Yeah, but there has to be like one Viking that had like crooked teeth, like way more crooked than all the others, who would intentionally make horns that had bone chips in them still. Yeah, and then the other Vikings would go, Jeff, what, what are you, dude? <laughs> come on. <laughs> Okay, I find that super funny because I was just watching the the Tom Scott series Citation Needed, and um, in one of the bits, the guy that they have that's a bit crazy is also called Jeff. And like I was, I was watching another thing just like two days ago, and again another crazy dude persona was called Jeff. Is that just an easy name to come to? When you think about like he's a little bit nuts, call him Jeff. You know, it's better than Richard. Mm. Yeah. The bar is not uh, high. 
the bar is not high. It's not necessarily low either, though. True enough. True enough. Like it, it, it's just like with the with the variation of names that we have in modern society. Yeah. It, it, have you seen the Generation Alpha name list? Because it's abysmal. You know what? You know, actually, you know what? I'm I'm, I'm going to get a name list up right now. I'm going to get a name list up, and I'm going to start I'm, recommending I'm one up right now too. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to start recommending uh, to our. You get up the Generation Alpha name list. I'm going to get up a name list of people I recommend uh, of names I recommend our listeners name their children. Not age names. I'm a I'm a I'm a big density of names list. Uh, Generation Alpha Wikipedia. <laughs> sure, why not? Uh, is there a common names in this article? Uh, of course, the end ends in the uh, in the nineteen pandemic. Nobody ever names their children interesting names anymore. I mean, like biblical names no, are pretty much no, where they're it stops. naming their children. Uh, Luke, you don't understand. They're naming their children interesting names. It's just bad. Oh, no. It's okay. It's not good. Hit me with some of these. <laughs> uh, I need to find a proper list. I'm only finding boomers. Well, folks, <laughs> I think I have some names you should give your children. Ziomata. <laughs> Rachak. Came out of the gate swinging. <laughs> All right, Generation Alpha baby name study, maybe? Ethwin. Eth- that's that one's not that bad. That sounds very Edwardian. I like it. I like it. this is just so to spoiler alert to all my listeners, um, this is just this is just the names list I have for D D. Oh, I see. Which is wild because they somehow it somehow manages to be less weird than the stuff Generation Alpha names their children. Yeah, uh goodness gracious, get to the end of the study and show me the names. I just need a list. Calgard. People are naming their kids of Egypt. <laughs> you know what? what? It is better than naming their children after months, which is you know. I I'm, think I'm I saw not, Margaret as one not, of the n- highest ones. Did you say? Did you say Margaret? Yes, like the fell omen. As in uh, the um, hit game series, um, uh, Dark, <laughs> of <Boy>. <laughs> Dark of Duty. Dark of Duty. Call of Souls. I'm kind of surprised that Ari is a pretty low... The Witcher, uh, God of War. Pretty low name for women. Carl with a K is pretty high for men, apparently. That's actually a common name, um, historically. Yeah, but so is True. T-R-U. I don't know how I feel about that one. Nope, neither do I. Salim is normal. Uh, Dior is not. Or Dior? I don't, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's D-I-O-R. Dior? Dior, maybe. Like the Royal brand? Royal a name for girls, apparently. Dior is a brand. Dior Dior is a brand? Wait, wait, wait. Google wait, Dior wait, right wait, now. Wait, Google wait, Dior. Wait, wait. Dior. Uh, <laughs> it's actually a very, very famous brand. Uh, enjoy complimentary shipping. Official online store. Welcome to the modern world, buddy. I hate it here. But it's named after a guy called Christian Dior. So Dior is a last name. Yes. Yeah, but this mentions it as a first name. You are asking for a lot of consistency and intelligence from generations. Uh, uh, friggin, what, what, what baffles me most... Of course, it, of course, it's not an error. This is a terribly made website. Uh, what baffles me most, I think, is the fact that 
looking at the I need to zoom in. These are small. Looking at the unisex names, all of the ones that are unisex but are used for like female are super weird. Like Savin. Unless this is meant to be from like what was that one? Uh, uh, it's S E V Y N. Unless this is meant to be like a world study, uh, which it it doesn't say that it is. It sounds more like it's a it's a United States. Yeah, it sounds like it's a a bit more of a United States study. That is it, it, that is the highest popularity. Is saving. I might I use that. That's that, that you know, that, that's a pretty good fairy it name. It sounds great for like a mythological time. <laughs> Apparently, also the highest popularity uh, unisex name for boys of Generation Alpha is just Everest. That's not a great name. You could after a mountain. I mean, it's not a terrible one. Everest compared to some of the stuff I've heard. Look, my baseline does it have a hyphen in it? If not, Mariana. it could be worse. <laughs> I'm gonna name my daughter Mariana, and I'm gonna arrange her marriage with a kid named Everest. I think that's child abuse. They'll be the highest and lowest points on the planet. That's definitely child awesome. abuse. <laughs> it's not child abuse, it's just Indian. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> apparently also Lennox, which sounds remarkably close to Linux, is, a, is very popular. This is so strange. It's Lennox, literally Linux. Lennox is an actual person from history. From history? Yes, he was an American who fought in the uh, Napoleonic Wars. Yeah, the problem is that that's a name on the rise for females. I got nothing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it's super weird because you look at you look at a, a lot of the men's names. Hendrix apparently spiked a little bit, which makes sense. Uh, because you know Jimi Hendrix. But uh, you look at a lot of the men's names and they seem rather normal and then you look at a lot of the the female names and they seem very strange and and also like they could be very easily made into some kind of shorthand name for like you know bullying and stuff like that which is really strange to me because a lot of the idea of generation z is the fact that all of our kids were bullied oh no what do we do i don't what think do we do? people well, we plan for bullying when they name their children if you name your kid Monroe and don't expect them to be called Moron, then you're an idiot. Okay, first of all, shut up. <laughs> Second of all, I don't have a point. If you if you name your kid Okalech and don't expect her to be called Wood, you're an idiot. This is literally the second highest, fastest, uh, uh, fastest rising baby names with uh, creative spellings. The capita of this is just over 8,000 females, and it is uh, O-A-K-L, and then, and then Leah, essentially, so it's Oak-Leah, which sounds fine until you start breaking it down by the syllables. But it's just so strange. You know what uh, I don't understand? Why don't people name their, name their kids after planets? Mars is a cool name. Ah, uh, finally, we get back to to normal names. Friggin' also apparently the Jacks in the same spelling as um as Jacks from Mortal Kombat has been on the rise, which is funny to me. That is interesting. I, I am I am honestly surprised that we're coming up with 
very strange sounding names that do not sound like they came from video games. I know. Like, I would have completely ex- honest about that. I would have expected a lot more Alduins and um, uh, Balgriffs. Mm-hmm. And like maybe maybe some people that are like huge uh, Lord of the Rings fans naming their kids like Gimli and you know like keeping it simple with like Sam or going somewhere like Gimli because Gimli's still like a perfectly fine name. Uh, Frodo would make less sense in my opinion. Uh, I'm looking for those gun. I'm looking for those point. Gondorian and Rohirrim names. Where's my Aragorns? <laughs> Where <are> my Elisars? <laughs> Uh, it would actually be kind of fun to meet a guy named Aragorn. It'd be really cool. Especially if you didn't know anything about the book series. Also, like, the name Isildur. That sounds so awesome. Why does nobody... Yeah, it does. And no one's stolen it from Tolkien. (laughs) I mean, like, Uh, Cinder and names sound incredible. I don't know why people don't use them. Yeah. Uh, friggin'... It's... It's insane, the, like the direction that we go to to try and be unique. If you get my point, I don't know why I still have this Christian Dior brand open. Because you really need some of that stuff. I mean, come on, you got to get some quality I, I, skincare. I need some of that good fashion. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's very strange the extents that I feel this generation will go just to try and be unique. You know what I mean? Well, we've it, we've, it, it, it's either it's either trying to be unique or trying to be a victim. We've gone from trying to um, we 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 wanted to avoid the problem. It happens a lot with generations. We try to avoid the previous problem. We overcorrect and create a new one. Um, and hopefully, yeah, yeah, at some sense. point, a generation after us figures out the happy medium, and they get to be decently happy. Um, yeah, I mean, they wanted us to be unique, um, to be to be willing to be individuals, but instead of saying be okay with being an individual they said make sure you're an individual and it went the wrong way yeah and i feel like uh another problem is that when i think i've already told you my opinion on participation trophies and i think that do you hold the same idea that they're kind of stupid actually they're pretty stupid i think there is a very good feeling a person gets when they are told that they have achieved excellence in something. And I think that the positive effect that has on a child is greater than the negative effect it could have on another for feeling bad that they didn't get that. Hopefully, it spurs them on to try harder. Um, I know that's yeah, what it did for me. And yeah, that's I what think, it did for me too. I think that the opportunity to do better um, should be given more often. I think rather – than take I think rather than adding participation trophies, you should give more opportunities for excellence. Um, yeah, 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 like open up more contests or exactly like that. make it so that there's more chances to get that award, which makes it so that those rather than diluting the pool with a bunch of worthless trophies. Exactly, then you get there are more trophies out there, but rather than it being because everyone gets a trophy, it's more because everyone had a chance to earn a trophy in many different fields, and they had the chance to show their quality. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. With that, I think you'll find that you'll deal with the fact that, and of course, the obvious problem with that is that they require a school to spend more money on something that isn't overinflating the superintendent's salary rather than paying their teachers. Um, but that's just me. <laughs> wow. Um, 
Look, look. The, the, the problem the, is I agree with you. The school system has been broken for a very long time, and it's the government's fault for allowing the funds to be mismanaged so titanically that at this point I'm almost – and this is coming from someone whose mother is a teacher. I almost wish that they would cut funding just so that teachers could go and find jobs where they'll get paid what they deserve. At the very least, also, I, I wish teachers were treated properly, and I wish that um, the government would get out of schools. But I know that's not a possibility, so I'm accepting that in my heart. I'd also like to note, listeners, that uh, this is not coming from me, the uh, the homeschooled uh, the homeschooled boy. This is actually coming from someone who I believe you were raised in public schools, right? Um, I went to like, public school, a uh, public school that my mother worked at, and then I went to another public yeah. school. Um, for uh, Both middle school and high school was the same school, which I think that it had a positive effect on me. Uh, I think if more schools did that, it'd be great because that means I had seven years at the same school with the same teachers and the same friends. And I had mm -hmm. to, I have to say, I hated that school. Loved it at the same time. Um, I had one of the best choir teachers. I had, my favorite teacher of all time was a choir teacher who still to this day has a positive effect on my life. Um, I found no, out recently based. he's a Christian and I'm very proud of him for how well he hid that the entirety of the time he was in. Like I – my parents and I would go back and forth on whether or not he was a Christian because we just could not tell because um, he acted oh, the, he, he acted the way of a Christian. Um, he had the decency about him. He had a Christ-focused lifestyle and he always managed to get at least one or two Christian songs into our repertoire for choir. But he never – ever revealed if he was a choir if he was like a um a christian and at the same time he always would just give the excuse of well you know i'm the choir director i can put whatever songs i'd like in and he'd also i remember at one point he made a very clever comment when i was um oh my gosh i think it was a i think it was an overnight trip with the choir group um because we were talking about um places we want to visit and places we like and someone was talking about how they were from texas and they never want to go back and i like just quietly said to myself in the circle we were sitting in why would somebody not want to go back to texas like what well, this sounds awesome and then he leans over and he says very quietly democrats and then he just goes back into talking and i was oh. floored for like 20 minutes after that but um but yeah, public to schools be fair, are very that broken. I could go back. You just have to live in Austin. Yeah, true. Um, but which um, has become the weird hub of freedom and democratic uh, viewpoints. I think that's why Austin's such a hub for um, not just Democrats, but um, for for leftists and for for people who enjoy safety over freedom in general because they get both they get um the yeah, freedom yeah, yeah. They, they get the safety they want but because it's in Texas they also get to to taste the freedom they get to taste true can, liberty without having to actually I can have risk my anything and my e-bike at the same time which is impressive <laughs> i have to give them that austin is a very rare hub Forget where it. in the center of um in like the top 30% of free states i will not go above that you know my opinions on texas um <laughs> But uh, Austin is the California of Texas, which is hilarious because that means they get both, which is impressive, I have to admit. Well, it's also where all the Californians are moving, so it only makes sense. True, 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 true. Uh, the Babylon Bee has you, a great series to, on um, Californians moving to Texas. Yeah, uh, it, dear viewer, if, if, if I might give you one point of advice, when you move to an area because you dislike the area that you're living in, while you're moving, reflect on yourself and think, did I make some of the choices that might have led that area into the decay that it has risen into? And if the answer is yes, then change your mode of thinking before moving into your new house. Otherwise, you're just going to kind of piss in the pool for everyone else. And there's nothing wrong with moving to a new area. If you want to move somewhere that you feel is more free and more comfortable for you, more power to you, I respect you for it. Just try and not repeat the same mistakes that led your previous home to becoming what it was today. 
Yeah, because then you just spread cancerous death across the uh, across the U.S. Exactly. Or anywhere, actually, you wind up uh, running into that in like a like a Germans running. Uh, Germans moving to Britain. There we go. I was about to say Britain's moving to Germany. Uh, <laughs> that's the old term for the Angles. Yeah. Uh, you you wind up with that with. Uh, I think the only country in Europe right now that is kind of safe from all of that is Sweden because Sweden has incredibly strict border policies. I assume Sweden. That's Sweden. I, I, are you confusing with Poland? I might be confusing it with Poland, but no, I'm talking about like Sweden the, uh, is the, the opposite. Contamination through like immigration. Again, Sweden is the opposite. Also, okay. disclaimer: we are not calling immigrants contaminants. Please, no one think we are. Yeah, no, no, no. I was, I was talking about uh, not I, the immigrant I, themselves. I, but the I understand, they have. Alex. I do, I do understand. I'm just doing a nice little disclaimer for, for some viewer. of those out there who like to look at the report button as a target. <laughs> I know you're there. I know you Let's are. Hope they're like me and they have terrible eyesight. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyways, yeah, uh, I think that yeah, I think that you are right with Poland. the The only people that have really strictly kept to their kind of fundamental pr- principles throughout all of this, uh, and that's what happens when you're in EU. But it's fine. <laughs> I don't know for being in the EU and NATO, Poland's done a pretty pretty good job of holding on. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I'm saying. Is that like with everyone else, the idea of like free travel between uh, between countries and stuff like that it's uh, uh true it's turned into a bit of a problem for some people that's crazy bro i don't know what you're talking about bro i don't know what you're talking i think about. that's why brexit was a thing but uh again not well versed in foreign politics but uh actually not well versed in most earthly politics take but history still. class kids it'll save your life yeah, uh, there is that popular saying that I need to search now, um, which is that those who read history are doomed, and those who don't read history are doomed to repeat it. And uh, those who read history are doomed to watch others repeat it. Read it are doomed to see it repeated. Yeah. Uh, one second, I need to look up who wrote that. I don't know who it was who said this, but I always liked it because it was something along the lines of history doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. Yeah, uh, uh, doomed to repeat it, according to three sources. Who wrote it, though? Oh, it was by a philosopher called uh, George, and I'm probably going to butcher this last name, uh, Santiana, S-A-N-T-A-Y-A-N-A, if you want to decide you're on your own pronunciation. Um, the original form read, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Interesting. So in a much more philosophical, uh, philosophical rather than poetic, yeah, uh, poetic way of writing it. But yeah, still, no one ever listens to the historians. Yeah, very impactful. But I, I think that you're right about the history doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme because that that falls in line with a lot of like what Solomon says of like there is nothing new under the sun. We will never meet a new calamity. There will just be more interesting ways of doing it. <sighs> Like coming up with the same root problem, but finding a a more fantastical way of dealing with this same root problem. Pretty much. You know what I mean? So you're going to run into that and time and time again. We've strayed again very far off course. 
I think I, I feel I feel bad for naming the last episode Astro Rabbit Holes because I I feel like all of these are going to be named as Astro Rabbit Holes. Maybe the show should be named Astro Rabbit Holes. <laughs> no, you can't fit that into a four letter word. You can believe in your oh um Astro Rabbit Hole. It could be A S R uh R H A S R H A S R H Astro. True. Oh, but um. <laughs> Another thing that I've been thinking about. Um, mm-hmm. Wow, I've, I've I've lost it. I don't know what it was, and I just I just had it. I had it in my hand. Anyways, on to the Christmas episode. <laughs> <laughs> While you hold that thought, uh, the mythological uh, the 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 mythology of Saint Nicholas, because that is of course uh, Father Christmas. Interestingly enough. A lot of stuff that he does uh, lines up with certain indigenous peoples of Scandinavia's like almost ritual. So, like, if it snows really, really heavily, it might not be Scandinavia. I might be thinking about some more no- more northern, like the like the Sami people and stuff like that. But uh, more northern than Scandinavia, I, I I might be really, really botching my geology. Uh, not geology. Geology. Um, Geography, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Your grasp of the bit. English uh, language why, never fails why to you amaze fail me. At geometry. <laughs> I just thought about that Stephen Hebit. It's so good. Uh, anyways, uh, Scandinavian Aborigines would wear this like red hat in order. It was, of course, wool lined because it's very, very cold. But also, the red hat would essentially be an identifying mark to see another one in the snow. And if their house snowed over too much, then they would enter through the chimney. That is so fascinating. That is a that is an idea for like where the the hat of Santa Claus came from because that was in popular culture before even uh Coca-Cola took Santa Claus trademarked him and then crushed him into their little branding pocket. Uh that that is the reason by the way that you see Santa Claus wearing like the full red getup and the big uh, burly belly. He's normally actually in older depictions shown as not a fat man, but a very well-built man. But the problem is well-built men don't drink Coca-Cola. Yeah. Well-built men don't drink Coca-Cola. Morbidly obese men drink Coca-Cola. Uh, the tragedies of our time. Speaking of which on a, on a video I have coming up, uh, I had to look up a bunch of monster ads and freaking it's so weird because of course their slogan is release the beast, which is, I, I feel a great slogan because you know, it's, it's the idea of getting such a caffeine high that you can't stop, but be powerful. Uh, but a lot of their ads have essentially bodybuilders and boxers and like wrestlers as their brand deals, which makes great sense for like a brand deal. But I cannot imagine a wrestler drinking a monster energy because I've seen what is in the in the ingredients list of a monster energy. Mmm, taurine. <laughs> and I'm like, would someone who cares this much about their body actually drink this? I don't think someone who cares that much about their body would allow a single drop of monster energy to fall upon their skin. Like, if I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure be... that those guys run off of caffeine like in coffee. I want to be honest. That, looking that's at a way better way of getting it. <laughs> what's in Monster? Um, from a technical standpoint, we shouldn't be letting that anywhere near our bodies. 
Here, I have I have sixty two cans next to me right now. I'll I'll just uh, I'll just check the ingredients list really quick. <laughs> and this is coming from somebody who unapologetically my desk. <laughs> unapologetically actually likes Red Bull, which I'll admit is also terrible. Um, okay, I I have a problem with Red Bull though, and it's the fact that it does taste like urine to me. It tastes good. It, it, you like the taste of piss. You, you okay? That's monster though. You like the taste of acid. <laughs> no, it's not. You like the taste of acid reflux. See, okay, th- then you have some kind of problem if you're getting acid reflux from these things. The thing is, is that the Monster Ultra series is the best thing to, to come out of Monster for a long time. Like, Nothing good has come th- out of Monster. Is, the word "best" has no genius. meaning here. Well, no, there is there is a good thing. There is the low carb Monster. It's not even low carb. So it's Monster. Those- no, it is. It is. It, it uh, rather than using uh, sugars, they use the healthy variant of sugar alcohols, uh, and those, when are being broken down by our body, are treated as fiber. Fifty bucks says they they uh, just bribe the health department. I mean, maybe, yeah, but uh, I don't know. I stay on ketosis when I'm drinking that, so <laughs> yeah. I got no but, argument. Uh, then. The 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 things inside. Of a monster, it's it's not necessarily concerning, but it's just a lot of things that you, you ever hear that old old saying where it's if you can't pronounce it, don't eat it. Yeah, which just like of course makes everyone not eat French food. I think that that's the origin of that saying was to get people to stop eating French cuisine, which but, is also uh, a good thing to do. Don't eat French food; it's bad yes, for you. Do not eat escargot. Uh, <laughs> but um, it's it's got a lot of that syndrome to it, where it's like. I can't pronounce this. Should I be putting it in my body? <laughs> my dog is going crazy because someone just arrived. Uh, but so you can you can do that though with any kind of carbonated drink, and it's still is right. That, yeah, I can't pronounce this. Should I put it in my body? No, <laughs> probably not. But. But yeah. Uh. So the commercialization of Santa Claus is where we were, I think. <laughs> right, right, right. And and Coca-Cola making people morbidly obese. Uh it's interesting though cuz if if you look at the uh Finnish, Norwegian and Danish understanding of uh understanding of Santa Claus, apparently he does not live in the in the North Pole in those uh in those depictions, he instead lives in, uh, in Finland, in like northern Finland. What which I find very funny. Wait, so yeah. he's just some guy you can find? It, he's just some Finn, yeah. But that that makes a lot of sense because in those uh, here, let me pull up Google Maps. Uh, or or not Google Maps? I should have pulled up Google Earth. Gosh dang it! One second. Uh, this will take a moment. Wait, so in Finland, Santa Claus is just some guy you can find? Well, he lives in like that northern part of Finland that um that you you really can't live in. Uh, it's like how if you go too far north in Canada, you just die. Ah, uh, <sighs> the only good thing about Canada. It's, it's very similar to that. Uh, let me find. Goodness, Google Earth, why do you have so many clouds? All right, so that's England. There we go. Uh, Sweden, Norway, Finland. Yeah, it's it's in this northerny bit of uh, of Finland, which is just underneath of the the Norwegian border currently. Uh, and the idea is is that he lives there because if you look at 
and and I think that this makes a lot of sense personally because if you look at Norway and Finland and stuff, they live very close to what would be called the North Pole, and so they probably understood that you cannot live on that ice rock. You true I mean? enough. True enough. Like if you true went enough. there, you would not be able to live. This is very. And also, accurate. it makes a lot of sense for him to live in Finland because Finnish people, like historically, are understood to be the nice people in that area. <laughs> Which is saying something, because the Finns... They were not a part of the raiding Danes. They were not a part of the Norwegian Vikings. Uh, <laughs> they dealt with the Mongolians pretty well. Yeah, but, like, they, they were not the let's-go-kill-the-rest-of-the-planet people. This is true. That was just everyone around them. Yeah, like, a lot a lot of the time in history. Again, not a historian, but, uh... Ah, the Russian war upon Finland. Thank you, God, for seeing yeah. The name uh, which I is, definitely is just butchered. The... Is that the White Death? Yep. Yeah, boy. Make a Finnish guy mad and he will kill your entire army. <laughs> I still enjoy... I, I still I adore... To, I need to look up White Death confirmed kills. Uh, some, something 500 something. You know he got shot in the face and he kept fighting after that? You know that the... Uh, you know that the bullet that shot him in the face was a stray round? No one could hit him on purpose. It had to be an accident. They did it accidentally. Uh, he continued fighting. He lost the mobility in his left jaw uh, and thus had like a sloping mouth for the rest of his life. But he kept going with irons and nothing else. Uh, hey, you know what he did when he when, when the war was over? What? He went back to target shooting. Nice. This man is a legend. Uh, he was only five feet tall. He lived as a quiet farmer before the war. He is not a short king. He is a short warlord. Yes, he is. Uh, and and the crazy thing about this, because I know that some people will probably not know uh, about the White Death. The way that he worked was that, of course, he, he stayed with the platoon during the nights and stuff like that. But he would go out in like the, the early day. He would pack his mouth and he would pack his gun with snow. And then he'd cover himself in like a snow type of ghillie suit where he just piled snow over his body. And then he would just sit there and wait. And he wouldn't use a scope because that's scope glare. He would only use irons. He shot from hundreds of feet away. And... uh and he just kind of knocked people down on their way to the on their way to the front line uh and yeah it, it's it's fantastic because he just sat there and meticulously picked off people not people they, uh, communists communists correct communists as my father said there's only two people that are good to kill uh that's aliens and communists uh, no, aliens, communists, and Nazis. That Ali was the thing. Just aliens and statists. What? Aliens and statists. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, here we go. Uh, he has 505 confirmed kills, but I believe his list of unconfirmed kills reaches into, like, the 800s. I can't remember. He is, I'm finding this all out on a, on the first thing in a, in a Google search, by the way. He is uh, truly incredible. Yeah, this guy is like a legend among men, and it's it's incredible. <sighs> Anyways, uh, 
<laughs> How do we keep going from the commercialization of Santa Claus to just finish Warlords? I don't know what it is about us, but we just cannot keep on keeping on. Yeah. Uh, anyways, yeah, he's in, it, Santa in uh, Norwegian, Danish, and Swedish and Finnish culture, and uh, I'm not I'm not so sure about uh, about like Western Russia. But maybe I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past them because Russia is so huge. Uh, he is a old man who lives in Finland and has a workshop. And in uh, in, uh, in other countries, he uh, he uses slaves to make the toys. Uh, <laughs> that's a that's a popular bit. My dog is going crazy again. Uh, that's a popular bit from I think news radio, but. Uh, but yeah, and he, he makes uh, he makes the toys with the elves in Finland and then distributes them about the world, which I find very funny because it's just some fan at that point. My dog is incredibly loud. I apologize if that's getting picked up. I think it is. But yeah, and then uh, I want to know who came up with the fact that he lives on the North Pole. That's a good question. Where did that come from? Hyperborea, Hyperborea. That is a reference that no one will get except me. That's sad. Have you heard of Hyperborea, Nick? What's Hyperborea? It is the idea that um, the Nazis built a secret base in the North Pole and that they're still there to this day. It's very funny. Oh, no. Conspiracy again. I'm going to have to look that up after this. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Anyway, um, I'm curious who came up with that idea because my whole life, I've never actually thought about who came up – who first was the one who said, you know, St. Nick actually has a timeshare um, uh, just 60 60 to 70 feet um, uh, south of the North Pole, the pole, literally the pole. Um, I'm not going to give you any more details because technically every direction is south from that pole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the um, so so what what I was brought to is actually rather interesting. Saint Nicholas of Myra. What? Uh, he's sorry. I, I did accept something from a family member. Uh, he's Saint Nicholas of Myra, and he apparently lived in a Roman town located in what is now Turkey. So, uh. <laughs> he's he's actually a rather a rather southerner for for someone who lived on the North Pole, which I imagine is like someone from Florida moving to Canada. What? Because if you're used to turkey climates, then you're used to like. I. History and culture's history. American culture is very strange, especially modern culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, sorry, sorry. I'm trying. I'm trying to read this and get people to stop being noisy. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna cut that. So, oh yeah. Also, the 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 idea of Krampus and like the lumps of coal. That's a lot darker than a lot of people give it credit for. That's like a grim fairy tale level of dark. But uh, 
Da, 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 da. The one thing I hate about internet essays is uh, one how the essay writer tries to make like a parasocial relationship with you almost every time, and two how uh, they never get to the point. It's like a terrible YouTube video. I live in a Roman town located in West now Turkey. Uh, oh, it's thanks to a cartoonist called Thomas uh, Nast. Interesting. According to uh, Mashable, the Arctic was seen as a bit of a. Oh, okay. The Arctic was seen as a bit of a fantasy during the eight, during the mid eighteen hundreds, largely thanks to all of the expansions uh, held to the locations none of which were completed until 1909, whose known place of constant snow. Okay, so it's the idea that uh, he came up with it because he's a cartoonist, and as an artist I can understand this, because of the fact that the North Pole seemed so fantastical. And like, and like the expansions into the Arctic and Antarctic would... Uh, would of course spark something like that in a lot of the populace. And so he came up with, oh, maybe it is where all of the toys are made. And then he started selling that to children. I'm going to look up Thomas Nast now. Because that is a very interesting idea. I will, I will say everything that I just said was uh, abduction. So it's probably not true. Yeah, interesting. It's really interesting the way we... not It's not the word it's deify. Um, I guess... Fantastalized isn't right either. I don't know. Mystify? What the word is. Mystify. Thank you. We mystify places that are that are seemingly beyond our reach, even though now we've stepped upon the North Pole. We still mystify it to ourselves, similar to the way we mystify planets um, with sci-fi. Well, yeah, but it's the same thing with like uh, Alan Quatermain and um, and him going into the deep dark Africa. You've heard about Alan Quatermain, right? I know little. I'd love to hear more. It's um a pulp series. I forget who it's written by, but uh, the idea is is that it came out just after we figured out uh it was a quinine that was the thing. It's whatever stopped malaria. Uh, Q U I N I N E. <sighs> One second. Take it's your time. It's probably not quinine. It's probably not quinine. No, no, it is. Uh, yay! I got it right. Biology. Kicking in. Uh, Alan Quatermain, the idea of his pulp stories came out right after we had like discovered quinine, so we could start going into the deeper and darker parts of Africa. And by darker, I mean like more towards the center, like uh, imagining Africa as like a cave. Uh, and we could start venturing to the heart of Africa. And so he would go on these crazy Indiana Jones-style adventures. And in fact, Indiana Jones is based on of Alan Quatermain. Uh, and it's because of the fact that we can now do this, that he was, that the, the writer was writing about the fantastical basis of, you know, Africa, because no one had been there yet, or at least no one from a kind of, uh, European or, uh, I don't want to use the term, uh, uh, westernly civilized, that would be the term. Careful, you don't want the Russians to get angry at us. Because, what? You don't want the Russians to get angry at us. Well, no, I didn't want to use the term civilized because there are entire African nations inside of that area. But uh, essentially anyone from the West who would write histories or would do archaeological digs in these places 
stuff like that first time that they were going into places like that so of course this guy wrote the adam quantum idea and it's a guy who like indiana jones travels around and finds adventure because it's it's a place on earth that is veiled in such mysticism that we can finally crack into you know what i mean yeah if any of that made sense Vaguely. Um, you know what? We could put a pin in this and come back to it next podcast as we are hitting our hour mark. We are hitting our hour mark. Uh, real quick, I would like to just, just tap onto the uh, the Christmas North Pole dude. He was a German-born American and a cartoonist of education of uh, – not educational uh, – editorial cartoonist, often considered to be the father of the American cartoon. So I would like to dig into him later for the uh, – that can actually be the talking point for the next podcast beginning. That won't be that bad of an idea. I'd agree. I'd very much agree. Anyways, that's been the show. I've been Alex. That's been Luke. And uh, yeah, this is 720, uh, 1720 Star AM. And if you don't hear from us next week, you probably got your radio fixed. See you later. Adios. <laughs>